If watching snuff films makes you an accomplice to murder, then Pappy is Joseph Stalin. This is spoiler. <laughs> Whoa. Jeez. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> Ever seen a snuff film? Hey, everybody. One death is a tragedy. <laughs> a thousand is a statistic. <laughs> a thousand snuff films is an afternoon for Pappy. <laughs> oh, my God. That's dark. Oh. Well, this is your host, Evie. And today is a very special episode because today we have a Patreon request. Uh, this comes from uh, one of our awesome patrons, Mike Marvin. And he asks us to spoil... The 2013, long-forgotten, never-to-be-remembered-again, The Counselor. Whoa. So we have that to look forward to, everybody. Cannot wait to talk about this film. Most importantly, though, Mike Marvin has an opening question for us, and this is what it is, and we will go from Weestus to Eastus. And the question is, what is the worst movie you remember with a standout performance? Oh, my God. Tough question. Great question, but tough question. Put me on the spot. I have literally no idea. Well, first of all, this is Pappy, recording from Louisville, Colorado. I'd like to start off my my answer to that question with a formal apology to Brett. I screamed <laughs> at him earlier this afternoon. Uh, I'm so happy he's here, though. Uh, I didn't mean it to scream at him like that. Worst movie with a standout performance? Dude, I literally, I literally have no idea. Um, Think in your brain. Think in you your like brain. Stop the pod for like five minutes so we can all like look it up. Look what up? Just off the cuff. What is my favorite movie with a bad performance? Let me look that up. Google it. Not your favorite movie. What's the worst movie you've seen with a standout performance? <laughs> I'm going to say John Boyega in the Star Wars sequels. I feel like those oh. it's, it's not the superlative That's a good one. most standout performance in the worst movie, but like I feel like those movies did him dirty. I fucking love John Boyega. Um yeah, especially the last Jedi like when they're having him ride around on like ridiculous CGI critters. Like I feel really bad for him. John Boyega in the, in the sequels. Tough question. This is Josh from Goshen, and I'd just like to point out to Pappy that He's not even like the best actor in that because Adam Driver from Northern Indiana, just like us, is also in that. True. Kylo Ren. Um, no Corey on the podcast tonight either, by the way, folks. And by but, the way, Pappy, he heard what you said. Kylo heard what you said. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Josh from Goshen. I'm going to go with Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. And uh, I think that movie is pretty crummy. And if it weren't for just a colorful bring to life performance by jim carrey i like it's not even a movie it's nothing um i think that's something stevie's gonna say a lot tonight and soon in spoilers future that things are quote not a movie not a it's, film. Oh my God. no ace ventura is a movie it is okay okay thank you <laughs> so that's my answer uh maybe well there's michael fassbender and the snowman uh it's a <laughs> fantastic performance by Fassbender in there. Uh, I don't think anybody else could do what he does in that movie. Another film featuring a Bolito. <laughs> uh, no, uh, have you guys ever seen Transporter? It's a bad movie, but Jason Statham really kind of makes the movie for me. He's really fun and kicks a lot of ass in that movie. But 
Transporter is a bad series of movies. I want to do a Brett and add another one. I'm going to say Han in Tokyo Drift is another okay, one. Okay, that's a good one. I refuse to let let you have any Tokyo Drift slander anymore on this pod. It's one of the best <laughs> ones in the series. Let it go. Doesn't mean much. <laughs> Brett. Oh, so me? I thought. Jo- oh, man. I was looking for one. Um, without thinking too hard, I will go with, uh, this is Brett from Fort Wayne. Who cares? Um, uh, I'll go with Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project. What? Oh, yeah. You don't like that movie, do you? I hated that movie so freaking much, but he's so good in it. Such a good movie. Do you see his uh, Vigo in that movie? No. Oh, dang. Did you hate that was like the Antichrist. Did you hate the subject matter? or like? Yeah, I hated everybody in it. I... I even uh, the I kids? guess the filming aspect was. Well, I guess the girl was okay. I hated the mom. I hated her so much. She's tough to watch. You didn't like the ending. What about the ending? This is spoilers. With the I mean, happy changed my mind. You on just the like ending. you like that they snuck a camera in there. I mean, mm-hmm. if you get past that, I don't know. I'll go with the. I guess I'll go with the main character in the Collector. Ooh, Ooh. good one. You mean the Collector? Mr. No. Collector? No, no, he's he's the title, title brick. The counselor? <laughs> Josh Stewart, Arkin. That's who I'm going with. He has a job title. <laughs> Regarding this guy's question, who is he uh, implying has a great performance in The Counselor? I have an idea. We'll get to that. I promise. Probably start off with that. But let me say... By the way, Pappy, you're, you, I forgive you, Pappy. You only do it because you care. <laughs> Thank you. Come across as a douche sometimes. So I know that I do. I still I, love you, but... I thank you for formally accepting my apology on air. This is people love this kind of shit. So yeah, I I loved paying four dollars for this movie. <laughs> well, oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> uh, this is one you gotta you gotta sail the high seas for. <laughs> we almost get that back in a month of Patreon, Brett. So. I promise you guys, <laughs> the actors and writers and people that worked on this movie that are getting royalty checks from us are gonna have a hard laugh come next month. And they're like, who in the hell watched this movie again? We've got a spike. We got 20 bucks for the counselor? <laughs> what the hell's going on? A major influx to the counselor this week. Spoilers influence. They're going to start calling each other. Ridley's going to call Michael Fassbender. Did you watch this recently? Did you tell no? your grandparents to buy this again, Michael? <laughs> Somebody get Penelope Cruz on the line. we got to figure this out. Uh, my standout performance is a movie that we actually covered, and it was The Last Airbender which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And it's a tad mm. more coherent than this. But I thought Dev Patel gave his heart and soul to that movie when no one else would. He's good in everything. Did you just say The Last Airbender is better than this? <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, ooh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I thought we yeah. said that Dev's acting was almost bizarre and that he was taking it so seriously Well, I in told that you movie, guys... <laughs> Like, I think there was a group meeting, like, we're all going to go all out. Then everybody but Dev got the memo that they weren't, and he just decided <laughs> to keep running with it. Like, I wouldn't have been shocked if Dev Patel was method acting that entire time. You got to look from side to side every once in a while as an actor or a person in real life and be like, am I getting too far outside the box right now? <laughs> oh, well, let's get into this peculiar, peculiar movie. I really don't feel like going over the plot because, quite frankly, I think we'd be running in circles for the next hour. Hey, Stevie, can I start with a question? Sure, Brett. What's up? Do you think Javier Bardem was uh, there during the shooting of that 
extremely awkward opening scene with Michael Fassbender and his real-life wife, Penelope Cruz. Is that Javier Bardem's actual wife? Yeah, they've been married since 2010. Really? Huh. Is that not one of the most awkward, unbelievably awkward opening scenes ever? I genuinely get the sense that it's only about, like, eating pussy. Like, I don't think it doesn't, like, inform any of the other characters. Like, you don't really mm-hmm. learn about anybody. It's just literally, hey, this movie's going to be about sex. It's not even good sexy talk either. No, it's super awkward. And then Brittany's like, oh, my God, is his face wet? <laughs> it's like, I think that's sweat. <laughs> But who knows? Uh, there was a mistake in the closed captions provided by the YouTube rental. But what was what the mistake? <laughs> they wrote that he says, "Oh my, you're trembling down there," or oh, something like that. Definitely not. But really, he says, "Yeah, Stopping. Oh boy, thanks for saying that for me, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Moist. <laughs> How did you get yourself into such a state? From thinking about you. Thinking about me what? From thinking about your sweet face between my legs. This whole, at least the first hour, is a bunch of is one random conversation with at least 50% dialogue that has absolutely nothing to do with the storyline to another random conversation with another 50% uh, talking about diamond cuts. I mean, it's <laughs> such a weird, I thought the first hour was really weird. I hope we get to some of those individual ones, but in this first one, I just feel like, uh, yeah, it's not very creative writing when he refers to it, her as a quote, a sexy woman like twice well josh that's what i was gonna bring up (laughs) if you zoom in really hard on the opening credits i know it says um you know written by cormac mccarthy but if you zoom in and zoom in and zoom in really hard in tiny little lettering next to it it says (laughs) cormac mccarthy's teenage grandson (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's funny Reader of No Country for Old <laughs> Men. It seemed like it seemed to me like they were a couple that had literally met the night before and fell in love. That's what it seemed like to me. Like it seemed obviously that's not what yeah, it was, it like but it just seemed really awkward. Like they were just learning to get to know each other, but that's obviously not what happened. It's just which I think is kind of shows it's kind of bad writing. Well, that's why that I was they're acting like they're strangers. Call this movie "Tell Not Show" the movie. But, like, Pap, also what's peculiar about this movie is, why is this movie called The Counselor? You called it a movie. Uh, why is this exercise in putting things on film called The Counselor? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, it's the main character. It, it, to the point in the beginning where it's, like, every time Michael Fassbender walks in a room, everyone's like, hey, Counselor. Like, because that's, like, his cool character name. I I don't know why he's the main character, to be honest. I don't... Y- presumably there'd be like some more like arc to him. And like, I I guess like the whole thing is like, he's greedy and like, he has some sort of like pressure to him, but like, I don't know. Like Stevie, I kept comparing it to a movie that you picked. That's like really good called drive. Oh yeah. Which has another character called the driver, the kid, a similar sense. Like you don't know the character's real name and a lot of his motivations aren't cool, but like, I don't know. I just, Michael Fassbender is just not, 
or I should just say the counselor is just not that interesting of a character. He didn't, in my like, opinion. Why was he the main character? Like that's like a like that's like a far pseudo side character at best. I mean, if if I were to pick, like you know, if they lined up these characters and said, "Who do you want to be the main character?" Javier Bardem's character is the main character all day. Like he actually has some depth to him. Well, and like when you call it the counselor, I kept thinking like this because a lot of people I respect actually have given this a decent rating on Letterboxd and stuff. It's just I know it just perplexes me, but like, I don't like. I kept assuming there's got to be some kind of twist. Like, this guy's going to be clever. He's going to figure out a way to get out of it. He's going to, like, Penelope Cruz isn't going to die off screen. And that shit just never happens. He just kind of, like, is undone by some greed, by some motivation, which happens way before the story even starts. You know what I mean? You don't see him downfall. It's so weird. I don't get it. I don't know if I'd characterize what he had as greed, per se, when, like, greed personified was Javier Bardem, but... True. He definitely was in a tight spot, which they alluded to a couple times. I never really got into it, but he, I think he had a little bit rich, too, uh, little too rich for what he, I mean, whatever he was, wherever he was staying at the beginning, that was a humongous villa somewhere in what, El Paso or something. And then drives a Bentley. Right. Drives a Bentley, which I would say that one at least $200,000. Um, and then when he's calling her, she's at their house, and he's at this baller either hotel or an apartment in a city. I mean, he's had some money somewhere, but maybe he just wants to give her more. I mean, what this? I'm guessing that wedding ring costs probably about what it costs for Britney's ring um, that I bought, uh, <laughs> probably three, four million dollars. So I don't know. <laughs> I just think he got in too deep. Is the ring the cause of? his woes then did, did the ring itself like they make such a big deal about the ring and in hindsight why? that's the only thing that really would make sense right why did they make a big deal out of the ring I, i've never understood it maybe because that's the ring that put him in debt that he needs to steal or traffic drugs to get the out one of ring of power but the, if he's that clever of a counselor <laughs> everybody's always calling him a smart ass and super clever and you'll find a way out of it why would he go into an exorbitant amount of debt for a ring if he's that clever. <laughs> True love. <laughs> love is blind. But uh, Penelope Cruz is like religious and humble. Like she doesn't care. Yeah. And why go to Amsterdam of all places? I hate that scene so fucking much. That whole, that guy is so like, Stevie, I think you said this to me. This movie's so far up its own ass. Yes. Like, that whole monologue is so far up its own ass. Like I had to pause it a couple times because I was like just trying to like figure out what he's saying. He gives this whole monologue about cautionary diamonds. And like basically the long and short of it is, is like, to adorn someone is to remind your wife of her frailty and like basically the fact that she'll die someday but a stone lives on forever written by key jurors cringy we are literally about to watch a movie that is 10 times better than this and has involves a big diamond in a country right next to the netherlands and i can't wait to talk about that movie but that's uh snatch they're in antwerp three ninjas oh well i thought you say uncut gems (laughs) i was so excited can we talk about another connection with this movie? And that's that uh, Javier Bardem is in two, at least two Cormac McCarthy movies. Yeah. And I'd like us to keep in mind uh, how the Coen brothers were, were able to bring No Country for Old Men alive and then like versus maybe the failures of this movie by Ridley Scott. 
I just think that could be... Don't call it a movie. I think there's a lot of similarities if you think about it. I, I don't know why Ridley Scott directed this. This doesn't seem like his kind of thing. I think he it? wanted a new house, man. Five Movie Club, Ridley Scott, the second most of any director in the history of this podcast. And his first stinker? Uh, does he have... I don't know. What are the other ones? We, just all aliens or what? Legend. We hey, did, Legend is no stinker, friend. I bet you the score for Legend is his meta score is a lot lower than this one. Alien Resurrection, um, and Blade Runner. I think that's it. Yeah, it's just like not his his genre or style. I mean, it looks good and everything. It's a fine looking movie, but it's just and he dedicated it to his I don't brother. Know. It's like half of half of the movie is just all set, all these uh, dudes talking about like different ways. <laughs> they've had sex or something it's just like all guy oh bro God. talk that Lamborghini scene just... was like so uncomfortable <laughs> do, not Ferrari Ferrari do not ask me yeah Ferrari do not ask me to go over that scene Brett, that's is that it. supposed to be comedy I like, don't know what that was funny? I do not know what that was it's supposed to be like Tarantino right oh like so God. out there and crazy it's crazy. It's zany. Or to show that she'll, like, Cameron Diaz will do anything. She's, like, asserting her dominance, right? That's, like, what the, quote, deeper meaning is here. Right? Right? Get it? <sighs> get it? Sure. You get it? Like a catfish. Anybody who fucks my car, I'm going to look at strangely. <laughs> and I'm going to question our relationship after that point. Well, then you'll be like, oh, wait, I have a Ferrari. Uh, I don't. I can find somebody else who's not crazy. <laughs> Mikey, you said you liked the way this movie looks. What was your favorite scene where two men are talking in a nice room? <laughs> uh, well, that narrows it down to about 90% of the movie. So, uh, every, I really like... Uh, I'm sorry, but every scene looks like... like You and I are big Grand Theft Auto fans, right? Yeah. Every scene looks like a cutaway scene from Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. <laughs> a cut scene. Uh... I don't know. The 10 seconds we got of John Leguizamo was pretty entertaining. That, that was, was a pretty funny scene, actually. That was a pretty funny scene. Like, at least it gave, like, I don't know, like some behind the scenes into what goes on with this cartel or whatever and, like, how they're moving the drugs and stuff like that. But everything else is just Fassbender and Brad Pitt talking or Penelope Cruz and Cameron Diaz talking. The scene with Hank, right? Yeah. 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 What are they talking about? The drums and the dead body and why they bring four drums when they only fill up three with drugs or whatever. Gotcha. And one, one barrel is filled with a prank body and <laughs> yeah. they just ship around a gotcha. dead Colombian. <laughs> yeah. South Bend native. Classic. This movie doesn't even bother to give a pretense as to why Hank is there acting so suspicious. Like, hey, can I see the body? Hey, how do you guys move drugs? Like, what the fuck? Like, why is this white guy? That yeah, I thought he was going questions? to be a cop. Was he the buyer? I thought he was a cop. I thought he was going to be like undercover or something, but it, we never come back to it. it. Just the movie just moves on. This movie has a lot of unanswered questions. And Josh, my God, what do you make of Cameron Diaz's uh, outlandish, mm. cartoony like character? Ugh. Or performance for that matter. She's. B- it also makes me think that Cormac McCarthy hasn't spoken to a woman in three decades. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Norris, uh, who plays Hank in Breaking Bad, was born in South Bend, Indiana, Let's go. which Thanks. is huge. I think he went to Mishawaka. Yeah, a lot of good actors come from Mishawaka. We're going to just keep dropping them on this pod. Let's go. Um, 
I don't know, Cameron Diaz. Yeah, she's kind of like quit acting a bit since then, hasn't she? Like, I think for better. I think this is her like idea or a chance to like maybe try to stretch out as an actress and not just be like a cute thing, you know. But like, whoa, when you take this, I, I just think those are the roles she was given. It's not like her fault, and I think we've all seen the mask. She turns into that in this movie, like, anyway, despite it. Um, oh, she did, like, retire. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So, I, yeah, not the best time. I don't think I miss things. I think to miss something is to hope that it will come back. But it's not coming back. I've always known that since I was a girl. You don't think that's a bit cold? I think truth has no temperature. Do you like her gold tooth, Josh? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of Spring Breakers with, uh, what's his name? Her, <laughs> her and, uh, yeah, the, who is that? Alien? Sorry, the Riff yeah. Alien? Yeah, they would be like a great power couple. <laughs> Yeah, Stevie, you're right. Everybody does look like a Grand Theft Auto. Everyone looks like a Grand Theft Auto character. <laughs> like you're just weaving Javier in and out Bardem of these dumbass people's lives. Looks like a randomized creative character. One hundred percent. Oh my gosh, Mikey, that is perfect. That is. You look so weird. Spiky hair, very ugly clothes in every scene. Just, I don't know. It's all rich people's style and stuff like that, but it's all just way over the top and very. Gotti. Brittany, we were talking about it, and she's, I think she's definitely right, especially with one of you guys said that, but she said Cameron Diaz's acting was so bad. She said, if I would have not known who she was, I would have thought that she was just like some actress, I don't know, making her first her <laughs> debut or something like, I mean, from just, like a different country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like she was like, uh, uh, the guy in Highlander. Like, why won't they give me the money? I mean, like she was just like, why won't they fight me? <laughs> I have a question for Pappy. Uh, there's a scene early on in here where they show like a high end party. Oh my God. Sure. Why why did why can Paul Thomas Anderson do this well, but it's so boring in this movie? I feel like here's my theory because I was like reading back through like the screenplay because I was like so like perplexed by like some of the dialogues because like the dialogue it's literally like people will just answer questions with questions and nothing is ever like established, but it's not like for any like thematic mysterious reason. It just annoys the shit out of me and like I was reading, but when you read back through it, like when I'm reading it. It's I read it like way faster than the movie like shows it. You know what I mean? Because like when you're reading like I say something, you say something, I say something, you say something. Like I kind of just like read that quickly, like rapid fire. Is the script more breakneck? I it is in my brain. Like when I read it, but like when it's talking, it's like, why would you tell me that? Why would that be something you would ask about? How am I supposed to forget about your wife fucking that car? You know, like that type of thing. It's like really slow and weird and boring. I I think it's like an execution. That's enough. It's. I keep going back to what like Mikey said about uh, Javier Bardem. It's like Cormac McCarthy to me, and I don't know if I can actually explain this, but he seems like a book writer who wrote a script for the first time. Like because dialogue is what it was, Brett. (laughs) Dialogue is is huge in books. Like you have to have good dialogue, and then like what Mikey was talking about with Javier Bardem earlier. It's like 
it makes sense for him. It doesn't make sense for Ridley Scott. Like a first time director would be mm-hmm. like party scene, rich people party. And that's exactly what you, a first time filmmaker would see. Get some good looking people. They're literally doing nothing. You can't hear them talking. Uh, but that's like someone who's never seen a Hollywood party or a rich person's someone party. Someone who's ever even that's been their, to a party. Right. That's their idea <laughs> of what it's like. But it's so bland. And like, yeah, I guess we'll talk about it. I mean, it sounds like Cormac, Cormac McCarthy's like, oh, writing a script should be really easy. And there's a reason why they don't usually ask the book writer to write the movies because it's a way different medium. There's also so much just less attention to detail. Like this might be a, like a stupid cinema thing, but they're like, they go to Javier Bardem's office. Of course, he's like, counselor, like, cause you got to say like the name of the movie <laughs> or whatever. And like the counselor goes, he's like commenting on like his displays. He's like, you know what all this stuff means? And they show the wall and it's like literally like one line graph, a weather yes. chart and like a news channel or something. <laughs> and then Javier Bardem's like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> it's pretty complicated. <laughs> it's like, what, what are you talking about? He's checking his stonks. <laughs> one stonk, one graph. You know what this means? It's going up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even in that scene, it's they're they're just talking, and you we get the rumblings of like, oh, uh, he's Javier Bardem is like uh, asking Fassbender, the counselor, if he's gonna take part in this deal or whatever, and we still don't know what the deal is. I mean, I guess we can assume that it's drugs because the beginning or the. Uh, I think they show something about drugs or something. Yeah, put them in, in the tubs or whatever. Yeah, the, be intrigued. Yeah. tanks. The pre-transport. Yeah, but like we still kind of have like no idea what they're even talking about. And then Javier Bardem is just like talking about the Bolito thing that kills Brad Pitt later on in the movie. And it's like, what? What is happening right now? What like what is this dialogue leading to? Like, and then they're going back and forth between like sex talk with Cameron Diaz and Penelope Cruz and cartel talk. And it's like, what is? Even Why is every <laughs> scene a goddamn philosophy lesson? Every single scene. I mean, it's like Pappy said. They're just literally like Michael Fassbender asks a question. Brad Pitt, Javier Bardem, the diamond guy will shoot back with another question. And then eventually like a scene will just end. And we learned nothing. The story has gone nowhere. Yeah, it's like people don't talk like that in real life. I mean, it makes me think Cormac McCarthy has never talked to another human being. If, well, his books are weird. I mean, have you, like, have you ever read The Road? It's like not written by a normal person. Um, I've read, uh, his, I read two of his border ones, which were, uh, I mean, I read No Country for Old Men and also, I forget what the other one was called, but most of his books have to deal with the border. Like a lot of them deal with kind of the border and drugs. Does he not like Mexicans? <laughs> Why is it always, <laughs> no, I don't think always he revolving looks, around the border. I mean, if you read the book, I don't think he looks very kindly on Hispanics or Mexicans at all. Why is the road so weird, Brett? There's like no punctuation or line breaks or yeah, something? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's really, it's really weird. Like, I mean, I haven't read it since 2000. I actually read this one. I think it's just a weird writing style. I thought he did it in uh, No Country for Old Men, too. That's what Josh's best friend, Jurakin, said. <laughs> well, Stevie, before this pod, was mentioning how. I don't know where you dug this term up from, Stevie, but this movie's all about causal determinism, and he's probably right, but Stevie, did you consider that maybe it's who will counsel the counselor? Ooh. And that's the theme? 
Ooh, that's a hot lead. Well, if he has to find somebody to counsel him, he's not much of a counselor. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, tell yeah. me something sexy. Like honestly, sexy woman. It, it just. <laughs> This movie is just so perplexing to even like get through. It's why I, I call it even barely a movie. Maybe Mike, Mike, hit us up on uh, Patreon or email us. Maybe Mike thinks that Brad Pitt was a standout performance because I actually kind of like his character. Anybody else? Yeah, actually, I mean, you're gonna rake me over the coal. I didn't hate Michael Fassbender in this movie. It just he wasn't a main character. I just thought he was so boring. I just thought that I mean they didn't give him a lot to go with. I just I just li- I guess I just like him. I I'm not the person to say, but yeah, Brad Pitt was Brad Pitt. So I wish Brad Pitt was playing Fastbender's character and vice versa. But then I think it would be mm. too much like Seven with the end scene. And you'd be like, "What's in the DVD? What's in the DVD? All I have is a VCR in this shit hotel room." <laughs> I feel like I feel like we were beaten down by all the bad dialogue because i feel like the the scene with hefe and him at the end could have been really really beautiful but like even that got way too yeah. philosophical and probably lasted about yes. an extra minute but like i felt like hefe cared a little bit more than he normally his psychopathic mind would care for, like he actually maybe felt for the guy and actually felt fast bender's pain but again it's like after all that crap we went through it's just like this is just another conversation where they're talking about a freaking Mexican poet named Machado who none of us have ever heard of. Classic Machado. Wasn't he just being really like sadistic and trying to like kind of? I mean, to, yeah, I guess, I guess, but just trying to drag his pain out and like listen to it. Yeah, listen to how much this guy. Listen that's, to that's my just, philosophy you know lesson. That's possible. That's possible. That's what annoys me about it, though, because he's he, like he specifically says like people like you think they're at a crossroads but they're really not the decision has been made for them and like later on in the conversation michael fender fastbender's like but you said i was the man at the crossroads and it's like no he didn't fucking say that at all you weren't <laughs> listening to him like <laughs> you were literally just gonna call michael fender bender weren't you basically what this yeah. movie is you, a fender bender you stop in traffic. crying long enough to listen to the fucking words coming out of my mouth fastbender <laughs> did he's crying all the time in this movie tear boy I'll give you this, Brett. When he's being a counselor, like to Rosie Perez or whatever, I like him in that scene because I think like the fast dialogue, his smart ass personality is coming through. Like when he's like two hundred and six, that's like a time of day or a weight, not like a speed or something. Like it's, it's a little quick, interesting line. Like I wish we got more of like seeing him being good and then like him having a character arc and like having a downfall or like a fatal flaw or something as opposed to just like oh this is just a weird coincidence thing that's yeah, gonna actually and, determine the whole plot yeah literally he did nothing wrong like they they treated him the last half of the movie like he was a, a piece of crap that screwed up really bad i mean obviously he made a mistake by getting involved with it but you know javier bardem had done probably dozens of those and never had to sweat but this just the most brutal coincidence it's super obvious coincidence too, by the way. I'm not judging the cartel. I love you guys. Whatever. I hate you. Whatever. Cut that. <laughs> Edit point. Um, but like, the hell? <laughs> big listeners of the pod, <laughs> cartel. He literally didn't do anything wrong, and and don't they get the drugs back? Yeah. Yes. Everything happens. <laughs> what? <laughs> so th- there's just like a random white guy that's like 
beheads a guy on the motorcycle, which is a cool scene. It's decent. It's a interesting. It's if, like the most if interesting. Other cars part of this don't scene. exist. That's like a collector prank. <laughs> yeah, super collectory. Uh, but it's just a random white guy who ends up finding out where these drugs are and ends up stealing them, and then he gets murdered like five minutes later. And the road. Not a random it's not white a random, guy. It's Cameron, Cameron Diaz was Diaz's henchman was trying yeah. to steal them, which oh, I didn't realize. It? I thought she was maybe just that. trying to lure uh, Brad Pitt out. But if you look at Wikipedia, why is she like trying to steal them for money? But she's already rich. <laughs> she's rich with. She's Javier got cheetahs. The whole point is is greed. That's four hundred percent return. She's Mikey. famished. Do not stop crying, Mikey, and listen Christ. to her. She's she does famished. say something about like her family was thrown out of a helicopter. So I was wondering if this is like a whole revenge thing that we that was obviously not explained well. I just thought that meant that she had been her parents had been involved with shady people too. But I don't know. So help me help me through this. I want to like try and say this like as clearly as I pet. possibly can. Decipher. So the plan was. Javier Bardem and Brad Pitt have worked together for a long time. They finance cocaine deals. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's a it's a surety it's a surety bond thing where they put up money to bring to like make sure that stuff gets in there. They finance it, like you said, and that's all they do. I mean, and if it gets there, they get their like Stevie said, their four thousand dollar. Four percent return. But so, if they, but if they don't, they're like, but they're basically insuring it. Is is their role in this? That's what you're saying. I, I mean, right? again, it's hard to say they're insuring it because how they have nothing to do with it. Maybe financing is more <laughs> of a okay is is more of a thing. But they they actually so, so mention yeah. surety bonds. They mention surety in that, and that has to do with putting up money and saying, I'm I'm putting this money up, and I will. Guarantee you that this will get to where it goes. So that's pretty much what that so is. That's, that's an important part, point, though, because they're, they're the ultimate financiers of this thing. Michael Fassbender is, quote, in a tight spot or something, unquote. So he joins them in, a tight in spot. this financing. In a tight spot. Yeah, George Clooney, oh, yeah. brother, art thou style. Uh, <laughs> so he is this millionaire, but also takes court-appointed... Yeah, capital that, murder that cases. That was weird. That was weird. I I was trying to tell Brittany. I was like, yeah, maybe he does pro bono. Then I was like, wait, pro bono lawyers don't drive Bentleys. One of those pro bono cases was Rosie Perez, who happens to be the mother of the Green Hornet. Yeah, uh, who who, who is the motorcycle guy? Yeah, who is facilitating a connection on the truck, which allows the cartel to then transport the drugs later on. And because Michael Fassbender bailed him out of jail, just coincidentally, the cartel thinks that they're stealing the shipment that they ultimately financed. Well, they since the drugs were stolen, they thought that they were going. Why to, would they steal the drugs that they were paying? That it was contingent on. They don't get the return yeah. on investment because the if good, they sell there. it themselves, they'll make a hundred million dollars. So it's just. The, the cartel thinks they're just being opportunistic yes. and they just found they this just drug. Thought it was a, yeah, like you said, that it, it's a huge coincidence so to stupid, us, but to though. them, they don't believe in it. So dumb. Doesn't the cartel also have to like show that they won't take this lying down? Almost as like, they got to put the blame on someone and the only place to really do it would be like the last known contact. So yeah, yeah. they would show weakness and they wouldn't be the predator but, and they wouldn't be famished. 
<laughs> right. So, but the cartel thinks that Michael Fassbender's plan was to bail the Green Hornet out of jail and then decapitated like on the road, like with a wire. Why would he bail him out of jail then kill him? Like, what would be the point of? Well, that? it's it's not. He wasn't trying to. I mean, if, if that was what happened, which it wasn't. If it yeah, would that's be what the to cartel thinks that, what happens. That thing, which I had to look up what it was. Um, they only they didn't care about killing that guy. They just knew that he had that thing that started the trucks. It's like Jeez, a. Uh, it's like. Breck- sorry, what? Just you're being Brett Mc McKelly. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> All right, I, I think I'm done. I think Pappy has Josh, some one of your worst puns or attempts at a pun. Brett, I don't get it. Brett McKelly. Whatever that is. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I just think Pappy's trying to point out that some of this is meaningless and it's almost like Star Wars where this needs like a whole Clone Wars series to make it make sense. And Brett is stepping in as that Clone Wars with the plot. So oh, like, I guess only Stevie can answer the, and do those no, things. No, but do you really get this from like a, a one time or even multiple time viewing? Like, I think I do. I understood that and I was half watching because it was really boring. Uh, but yeah, that's like the one inciting incident is like he bailed the guy out 400 bucks and then he had a death sentence on his head because he bailed that specific guy out. I do enjoy Rosie Perez's motherly intuition that her son died Dude. or got decapitated. <laughs> oh, so fucking dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, I just, uh, I don't understand why they made the plot so convoluted. Uh, for what is essentially just uh, a drug theft. I don't know. They could have found a more clever way to pin it on Fassbender other than that. I mean, it just seems so weak of a plot point to do. What is so what, what is the point of the ending? Like, do they still want to find Fassbender? Do they want to get to the bottom of like why the drugs were temporarily stolen? Why did they kill his fiance? I don't... I don't understand. I mean, that's what that's what the cartel does. Is like they'll just kill anybody connected, and they'll just just to prove a point or whatever. Uh, but I don't know why they. I don't know like if the climax of Fastbender crying in the in the hotel or the shitty hotel room is the end of his plotline, or if he's still like getting hunted by the cartel or whatever. Well, they know where he is. Yeah, they gave him a DVD in a VCR-only hotel room. (laughs) 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 Uh, That's true. He's probably dead, but we don't get to see that. Josh, what did you make of one of our only, one of our very few payoffs in this movie, which was the Brad Pitt Bolito scene? Pretty gross. (laughs) It, should, it belongs more so in like a Saw movie, doesn't it? To be honest, yeah. But they teased it, I guess, for writing's sake. They showed it, and they didn't back away from it. You see his like fingers laying on the ground. Um, like he really describes earlier in the movie how you don't actually die from choking; you die because your carotid artery gets cut, and that bystanders will get sprayed with blood. And that all happens. It's kind of sickening, really. But um, did <laughs> this one scene? I don't know. I feel like they could have dove deeper into this. But like Brad Pitt is like 
sitting on a window ledge with his fingers under it as it's tightening. And one of them cuts to him like laughing for like a split second. And it's like one second of depth from Brad Pitt that's enjoyable to see, but it like almost doesn't make sense because his character is so flat otherwise in this movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those like weird cuts. That whole sequence just felt like they shot him from like five different angles for like three minutes of just dying and just like found the best from each camera. It just felt so cobbled together and random. There's no rhyme or reason to that sequence like at all. Yeah, it had some Liam Neeson jumping over the fence with 30 different cuts type vibes. (laughs) (laughs) You guys said that Brad Pitt was like, good this is probably like the least engaging i've ever seen him on film i had that as a note actually like that's how bad this movie is it made brad pitt look bad (laughs) first of all this is the least attractive i've ever seen him uh in any movie and it's he's still the most engaging character uh i wish the movie was focused more on him and he's in the movie for about 10 minutes uh really could have used less fast bender and more brad pitt how awkward was it when he's like hitting on Natalie Dorner's character? This was again like no one's ever talked to a real person here at the writers' table. If you look like Brad Pitt, you can say whatever the fuck you want. It doesn't really matter. One thing I love about this movie does it's so cringe for at least eighty percent of this movie is nearly every scene starts with "You know what women really like? Let me tell you." And it's just the most god-awful writing you've ever heard. Morning, counselor. Morning. Malkina. Hola. Guapo. Hey. How's Laura? Incredible. That sounds about right. Nice lady. Nice lady. I assume she's not privy to your newest business venture. She's not? And your lady? Uh, yeah. Yeah, what? I don't know what she knows. I don't want to know. You don't trust her? Jesus, Counselor, she's a woman. Yeah, well, I don't mean to sound that cold. I just mean that where men are concerned, they've got their own agenda. I always like smart women, but it's been an expensive hobby. You know? Yeah. But I don't even know if it's like, is it supposed to be like a commentary on misogyny? You know what I mean? Like, is Javier Bardem's character... Who's always talking about like women like that and he gets shot. You know what I mean? Is that supposed to be like saying something, Stevie? <sighs> I don't know. Were they trying to say something when they say the word Boise uh, between Michael Fassbender and Penelope Cruz like 20 times in two minutes of screen time? <laughs> Boise, 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 Boise. How about Boise? Boise. <laughs> Boise. <laughs> Why Boise? What's wrong with Boise? Have you ever been to Boise? No, have you? No. You have a hotel? I'm looking as we speak. Tomorrow. Boise. Yeah, Boise. You know it's actually pronounced Boise? Is it really? Yeah. My boss is from there. And I've said it wrong a few times. And so I get corrected. So people from Boise take umbrage with it, be called, with it being called Boise. Who cares? <laughs> I think you got to find a new job. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brett, you're going to piss off all of our listeners in Boise with talk like that. Yeah, whatever. My boss is awesome, by the way. Pappy, with a complete failure that this movie is and was at the time, how shocked are you that Sicario ever got made? Oh, I don't know. Because I feel like this movie was trying to be like Sicario in its time. And like what Sicario is on every level, this movie just isn't. I guess it's different in the sense that if this is like some kind of like condemnation of misogyny, Sicario is more of told from like a female perspective. You also have the difference of a young up and coming director versus an old <laughs> director who's already won an Oscar and maybe sitting on his laurels a couple times. Just a few. I don't, I don't know. I, Mike, I think Mikey, you said it best in your letterbox review is like, how do you make a movie about drugs so fucking boring <laughs> or something like that? Like, it is. Why? It's so boring. <laughs> How's that like, possible? N- n- besides the fact of, I don't know. I, I, I don't even think, I mean, I said it looked good, but it's like, it's not even the, I think Sicario looks better. Sicario looks way better than oh, this way movie. Better. And Deacons. It's just like, I don't even want to look at the, my MacBook when I'm watching this thing. It's like, God, <laughs> I was checking Twitter. I was just like listening to it like a podcast because it's just so boring. There's almost no like good cinematic moments that I can even think no. of. No. One time I was like, I want to pause that and like make that like a desktop back. I can't think of one shot where I was like, oh, that's cool or interesting. Well, that's what you get when you put two men in a room and have them talk for 90% <laughs> of the movie. It's like, you're not going to get those shots because there's just nothing to look at. I think there's something else though too. Like a lot of movies are like that. Like uh I don't know, Pan's Labyrinth has like some striking violence in it. But and then and then there's a lot of dialogue too, but uh, I don't know how to describe it. I think there's something about the dialogue specifically. Like you can have a lot of dialogue in a movie and it still can be fascinating, right? Dialogue has to push a movie forward, Josh. Is that what it is? They just philosophize they and philosophize go around and around? They 90% of this movie. <laughs> well, Brett, you're a big Aaron Sorkin guy, yeah. right? Yes. What do people always, how do people always characterize Aaron Sorkin work? Blank and blank. What do they say? Witty and, I don't know, walk and talk. Walk, walk and, and talk. talk yeah, those. that's his big thing. Yeah. If you watch an episode of West Wing, yes. that's literally 80% of what happens. That adds so much to like a cinematic perspective when people are moving or being dynamic. Like Stevie said, that people are literally just like, I guess sitting in opulence, but it's not even that interesting or interestingly photographed or like, I don't know. There's like nothing that cool about these conversations. There's just philosophical nonsense of people going back and forth. Like with a scene, I mean, in a typical movie, a scene starts out with, you know, every character has wants and they're kind of always have their own agendas. And at the end, we learn something new. In this movie, I never know what anybody wants, and we never learn anything in every scene. It's just very hard to wade through this movie. But this movie to me is, I mean, it's why I barely even called it a movie. It just seems like a collection of some cool ideas they tried to attach a story to. Like, the biker getting his head cut off with a wire. That scene, Cheetahs. That scene in itself is pretty cool. If you just put that by itself, you're like, huh. I wonder where this story could go. If, th- if that story just started with that, if this movie started with the biker getting its head cut off scene, like that just puts your brain in so many different directions going, huh, I wonder where this movie can go. But I feel like this movie immediately boxes itself in in, bore- in boredom. 
Do you think if it was like ordered differently, Stevie, they could have played that up a little bit? Like, it's not the fact of order, Josh. I mean, you could still tell this movie like in order, and I mean, you could tell it out of order, and it'd still be really boring because your payoffs would be so minimal because there are barely any payoffs in this movie. Like, there's no character depth, there's no stakes. By the time that uh, Penelope Cruz gets kidnapped, I don't care. By the time she dies, I really don't care. Okay, what if what if the beginning of the movie is like Fassbender getting the DVD and like sobbing, and then the last scene, mm-hmm. even though he's died on screen, is Javier saying like that whole thing about like what they would do if they would film something and put it on tape and send it to someone. The only thing we get to a payoff is the Bolito thing. That's it, and it, it should have been That's on Fassbender. Payoff. It should it shouldn't have been on Brad Pitt. It should have been on Fastbender. <laughs> Story wise, Mikey's right. It should have been on Fastbender. One hundred percent. At least if you structure it the way you're proposing it, Josh, like it asks a question that it eventually answers. This is like, what would you call it, Stevie? Like a a tragedy, like a downfall of a character, but it starts like a little bit too late in the but story. But to do that, you have to have a character at its high. Like by the time we already meet Michael Fastbender, he's already in a pinch. And like, I mean, quite frankly, I don't care about his downfall because there are no stakes. And that's what they say in the final speech. It's like you had already made your choice. Like you had already like picked your destiny or whatever. You weren't really at that crossroads. But it's like, that's not good storytelling, though. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's not interesting. Like, and you're just pointing out like what you just did. It's not, it's not, this isn't as cool as you think it is. I promise you. Fassbender could have gotten a cubic zirconium for Penelope Cruz, and she would have been none the wiser, and he would have she would have, he would have never been put in this situation. Situation never would have got his girlfriend murdered. Snuff filmed. Brett, you're you grew up Catholic with me, right? Saint yeah, Francis. I mean, I'd still hey. consider myself Catholic, but yes. Along with Stevie, did you, how much did you hate the confession scene? That scene fucking annoyed yeah, me no, so I didn't, much. I did not like that at all. It's like you can be a heretic or you know a- atheist or whatever nobody cares just that's terrible what was the point of that to show that she's bad and she'll do anything one of the worst parts is she's like she starts it off with bless me father for i have sinned which i don't even think that's like what you actually it's for say. it's forgive me father for i have sinned right and then the priest is like how could you know the magic catholic words it's like maybe she just watched any tv show in the past 30 years and saw people say bless me father who i am sin like what do you mean it's not some big like secret fucking ritual or something yeah i didn't like that i mean it just didn't fit in very well what also bothers me a fair deal about this movie is like i feel like it's so up its own ass trying to be grounded in reality of oh this is how things work down here it's a completely different world well that's all fine and dandy but with Javier Bardem's character, they never call him a trust fund baby or like, you know, he inherited his money. You know, it seems like he actually worked hard for his money. He was smart with his money. You know, he did things in a calculated way and he eventually rose to the top. I highly doubt a man like that would like entrust a call girl that he eventually marries with like so much of his private information. Stevie, do you think like was the movie trying to go with some weird parallels between Javier Bardem's character and Penelope Cruz's character in that they both got involved with someone who like pulled them into something that ended up being their downfall. Like, I don't think it executes that well, but I was like, is that something that's try? Is it, are they trying to say that? Well, yeah, I mean, they have that mirror scene, which is Cameron Diaz kind of, you know, 
passively aggressively getting after Penelope Cruz when they're getting massages at the spa. Why are they even interacting? That's so weird. How do they even know each other? And also, (laughs) there's also no payoff at the polo grounds with that guy that's getting after Michael Fassbender. Yeah, what was that? That was so awkward. I didn't even realize that. I completely forgot about that. That, I kept waiting for it to come back, and it never really did. That's weird. (laughs) So what, Fassbender (laughs) screwed him over as a lawyer or something? Or because he... I'm, I'm assuming this is his first foray into, like, illegal stuff, I guess. Well, this on Wiki, it says deal. that Michael Fessbender is a lawyer for the cartel, but it never says that in the film once. Definitely not. Like, it never what? once says that he is a lawyer for the cartel. Like, maybe in the sense that Rosie Perez is his client? Yeah, so like, I guess. But not really. He was court-appointed. Well, it makes sense, though, that he would, like, call all those people at the end because he would know them. Because he's probably represented them or represented people for them. But the idea that we get through this entire movie and it never once makes mention of not only like are you getting into this with the cartel, but you've actually represented these people before. Here's my theory. There's like 140, 150, maybe even pushing 180 minute cut of this movie. That makes way more sense, but is like way fucking more boring. You know what I mean? And so they just had to choose between something that's not going to make much sense or something that's going to be like incredibly boring and not going to be able to show as many times. Release the Snyder cut, please. Oh, God. Black and white, three by Release the Leguizamo cut. (laughs) I need more Leguizamo. Honestly, Mikey, I think there's a movie in there of like his job all day, unloading these drugs and like reloading the the last barrel. I think there's like a really small indie film there that would be really effective. It could be a comedy. <laughs> I love that you're saying that, CV, because I feel like I know a scene that you did like, and I think they go back to it like three times, but it's anytime they're showing like the welding or fixing of the truck or they're like gassing it up. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. If the movie could move at that pace, that'd be awesome. That'd be almost like Mad Max. Like, yeah, if you're going to have a really drawn out story like this, like this takes, I mean, in Greek myth, people take a lot of uh, scenic routes to get what they want. They take the long way a lot. Stories take forever. I feel like this movie tried to do the same thing, but it's just boring. So if this movie ever moved at a breakneck speed and the entire score could have been a ticking clock, it might have been somewhat effective. But it's just so boring and drawn out and up its own ass. I never get to caring about anybody or anything. There's like one cool cut in that part where you're talking about Josh, where it like matches patching a bullet hole in the truck with the dude who got shot patching his leg up. Like it's a really cool, like cut between the two things. And like the hole is like in the exact same spot in the frame or whatever. So it's like this moment has, this movie has just enough moments of like competence. That's ultimately it's downfall. You know what I mean? It's not so bad. It's good. It's just like boring and like, existing you know what i mean i would definitely call it like a movie because it's not like it's not like it's not like, there's not bad sound you know what i mean it's not like poorly made it's a real production but it's just like real boring as a production brett i'm sorry for calling you mccormy mccorthat or whatever gosh get back in here i'm also no, okay you took so all the fun away from me pre-pod i was like i think this is a book and I owe Brett an apology for saying that. No, too. you don't. <laughs> oh, before getting to yes or no, do you guys have any final thoughts? Did Mike say who he thought was the good 
No. The good, uh... Oh, I, why ask that question? Because there's nobody in this. <laughs> it has to be Javier Bardem <laughs> we, or Brad Pitt. We, we got to talk about the ending. Stevie, what happens in the ending? Because we haven't talked about Natalie Dormer at all. Like, not really, like, what is her role in this? I mean, that seems... As I said, it's a, that's why I barely... Okay, you know what? It's not even a story because it's a collection of ideas. So Cameron Diaz hires Natalie Dormer to sleep with Brad Pitt because his one crux in the entire world is women. It's everybody's crux in this movie, though. It's- everybody's crux is women. And so she sleeps with him, gets the bank codes, and uh, yeah, that's at, after that, Brad Pitt gets his head taken off. That's a great example of why No Country for Old Men is so much greater. Like, you can use that theme and tell that whole story in just like a glance. And that hesitation at the end of No Country is like why the protagonist is like taken out, right? And you, and you don't even need to see like the gruesome murder either. He's just like in a pool floating. But in this, they like show Brad Pitt's beheading and it's still boring somehow. <laughs> <laughs> what money did Brad Pitt have? Had a computer? He had a computer with like the access key or whatever. I don't know. True. To what? Yeah, I don't know. His Brett. offshore bank accounts. But is that just his own money? Not related so, to So Cameron deal? Diaz pivots her whole plot to stealing his money? No, I mean, am I am I allowed to to say? Please, Brett. Okay. Uh, That's what I originally thought, but when I looked it up on Wikipedia, her original, she wanted to steal the drugs, but right. that didn't work. So, which I think is one of the reasons what, what bothered me, but now I'm starting to think about it is, I hated the fact that Brad Pitt, who has been in this game for a long time, was so relaxed when he got to London. And I was trying to figure out why he wasn't didn't have his head on the swivel. I'm guessing it's because he thought he was away from the cartel, but he didn't think that he was being set up by what's her face, Cameron Diaz. So he said earlier in the movie that his wait 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 wait, wait. sorry Brad Pitt. The, so Cameron Diaz after her plot failed. Who wait, you're saying that the cartel the cartel kills him though, right? No, Not Cameron no, Diaz. No, Cameron people. Diaz does. I think that that's oh, right, why right, 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 that's right, why he's, he's so there. relaxed okay. is because yeah, yeah. He's in like, a very cartel way, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, right. okay. So, okay. As fuck. so once her plan backfired again, I think this plan was way easier than her stealing the drugs from the cartel. But hey, more power to her, or whatever. So he he gets to another country. He thinks he's safe in the cartel. He had mentioned earlier when uh, Fastbender's like, "What do I do with the money?" And he said, I put my money in offshore accounts. Mm-hmm. But he's very secretive about his offshore accounts. He said, I can tell you about it. I'm just not going to tell you about mine. So that's what she needed. Natalie Dormer had sex with him or whatever, flirted with him, got his code, his password and passcode. But she said, this won't do any good if you don't have the computer. And she's like, right. let me worry about that. So that was the thing. But it's just but it's just his money. Like, that's just the money that he has. Like, she just pivots her plan to Yeah, because to he's, been doing, he's been doing this right. for a while at $20 million a pop. So even if he's done only four or five, he's got $100 million in offshore bank accounts. And But that's just, like, so stupid from a storytelling perspective that, like, the bad guy has this whole plan. It doesn't work out. And then she's like, well, I'm just going to rob this guy. I'm already doing illegal stuff. Might as well just... Which is way him. easier. It was way easier than her original plan. I, yeah, I, 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 I didn't place. say it made sense. Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> what happened. That's um, start with that plan. 
Thematically, it works, though, because she's famished. She doesn't get the first oh. meal. She's going to just go for that next burger, man. She's famished. Shall we think about uh, ordering? I'm famished. I have a question. What's up, Mikey? Why does uh, Javier Bardem stop to pick up his cheetahs before he runs away from the cartel? <laughs> Why None does of them he make had that? any very good survival instincts. <laughs> the CGI cheetahs look horrible they, coming out I of that I thought they looked car, okay dude. until they stepped over his body. I was like, oh my god, that's so bad. When they're coming out of the car, they did not look Embarrassing. Good. It looked like a car commercial, and actually, I felt like there are several commercials in this movie that was yep. kind of distracting. Ford. Heineken. Heineken. United Airlines. Apple. How much does it cost for Brad Pitt to say Heineken in a movie? Like flat Who's drinking dollars? Heineken at noon? Heineken's a good beer. I mean... It's not. I, I don't hate Heineken. It's fine. It's German not, beer is it's not average. for everybody, but it's okay. Is Heineken a German beer? I don't know. Probably. It's a Dutch beer. It's a Dutch beer. Uh, Amsterdam. Whatever. Same thing. No. No, no, no. I'll put my foot down there. German beer is far superior. But. We just lost all of the Netherlands, Stevie. Great Good. Job. I don't like your beer. Maybe Matt Troll what? can tell us what he thinks. He lives in Europe. Troll! Josh, on that like Stella Artois? Love Stella. Stella Artois? Yeah. Josh, give me your yes or no. Because I feel like you're going to give this movie a yes. And I'm just going to shut my computer off when you do. Thanks for setting me up like that. I appreciate <laughs> it. Sometimes I try to bury the lead, but... This movie is one of those bottom feeders you see going up the side of the aquarium. Oh. Sucking its way up the grass. Oh. E. It's a no. Yeah. Just a no, not a no dog, not a hell no, just a no. I will say it's a soft no. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much a yes. Mikey. <laughs> uh Mike Marvin, I oh boy. I I wanna say Take your money back, but you already gave it to us. Uh, <laughs> I really hated your. Why? Well, I don't know why this was your pick, uh, Mike Marvin. Uh, it seems just like a very boring pick. I don't know if this was a troll, a troll pick, because <laughs> if it was, good job. Uh, but I did not like this movie at all. It was just very boring. And when you're talking about like cartels and drugs and sexy Brad Pitt and sexy Michael Fassbender and sexy Penelope Cruz sexy and woman. it's just so boring and like how do you I don't understand Ridley Scott had made such a boring movie with all of these people and uh, these plot devices of drugs and cartels and stuff it just doesn't make any sense to me but it's a hard no just not just so bland it's very it's milk it's just milk milk to me. toast <laughs> Yeah. Brett. All right. Uh, you know, believe it or not, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to give it when I came in. Only because I, I thought the second half was a lot stronger than the first half. But that's not saying that much. I'm going to give it a soft no. Uh, it's not very good. It could have been. Maybe he picked it because it's got a killer cast. I mean, he thought it'd Javier, be interesting for us to talk about. It was a no from him as well. Javier Bardem, uh, Oscar. Penelope Cruz might have an Oscar. Nominee, Uh, I believe. Oscar. I mean, it's just... Cormac McCarthy needs to stick to writing books. Uh, That's better medium for him. And Ridley Scott, I'm really sad that you dedicated this movie to your brother, who had just passed away. 
who's also a pretty good director. So, uh, soft no, but disappointing. I didn't hate it like everyone else hated it, but you guys have made me realize that it was not very good at all. Brett, are we still friends? Yes, we're friends. She's <sighs> done a lot okay. worse things to me than that. Brett, Penelope Cruz <laughs> did win an Oscar. Vicky yeah. Christina Barcelona. There you go. Where she met Javier Bardem, I believe, at Javier. Woody Allen movie. Ooh. With Josh's boo, Scarlet. Oh. oh, that's a it's Woody like, Allen. It's like a threesome. Yikes. Oh. All right. I think you, yeah. Um, definite no. Um, Mike Martian. Um, I actually like that you picked this because I'm kind of obsessed with how bad I think this movie really is. Like, literally, like when I was like really starting to slow things down and like try and understand characters' motivations and like themes that I think the movie's trying to accomplish. It, it just gets kind of like worse and worse the more I, I think about it. And it was worse the second time when I watched it than the first time. I almost want to watch it again to like figure out what makes it so bad. I don't even know if we've like really <laughs> figured out why it's so bad. Like you want to see what the floor of it is? Like what's the bo- bottom basement? <laughs> I think so okay, Ridley Scott, now five movie club, great director, one of one of the great directors of his time is up and down in movies, but has made some really important work. The thing about Ridley Scott, though, is, is like, I don't know if I can like watch five minutes of a Ridley Scott movie and be like, that's a Ridley Scott movie. You know what I mean? It's not like mm. that he has this like distinctive auteur mm. style about him. Uh, which I, well, I don't know. It's like Gladiator is like so different than The Martian that's so different than Alien and so different than, like, Blade Runner. You know what I mean? All of those great movies, but, like, very, very different. Like, I think this movie needed someone with, like, who was going to inject more auteurism style, like a, like like a Guy Ritchie. Fincher would have been Fincher, cool. yeah, that's actually a Fincher would have worked. Guy Ritchie, too. Even Edgar Wright. I think Edgar Wright could have done a version of this movie that'd be, like, very entertaining, that would have, like, leaned on the comedic moments and, like, done a better job of like bringing those out and, like, it, yeah it's sad because you know we, i talked about alien you think about like it, the, the sexual imagery in that isn't subtle by any means but it's just such a better way to introduce like sexual themes in your movie than just like hey let's start off with like michael fassbender eating out penelope cruz and like making it as crude and as blunt as possible basically it's it's just a really disappointing movie. It's really, really bad. I'm with Stevie. I think this is just like maybe like a tax fraud thing. Like I feel like no one actually like really gave a shit about it potentially. But man, I long yes or no for me, hard no. But man, what a horrible movie <laughs> this was. I hate it. <laughs> oh, not to jump on the train, Papa. I absolutely hate this movie with a burning passion. <clears throat> it's just so incoherent at times, and is probably 40 minutes longer than it needs to be. It's honestly hard to watch. None of the characters are engaging in the slightest. And quite frankly, I mean, even when it's, you know, showing kind of its opulence, there's a YouTube channel called Architectural Digest that I think this movie is trying to be half the time, which look how beautiful these houses are. Look how beautiful this car is. And that YouTube channel is by far and away far more interesting than this movie ever gets. Um, I just hate this movie so much. I'm happy that Mike picked it. Thank you. It was actually somewhat fun to talk about. 
but I will never, ever watch this movie again. <laughs> and um, what's his name? Cormac McCarthy. My God, sir, you are a horrific screenwriter. You're an amazing <laughs> novel writer. But literally, if you told me that your teenage grandson wrote this and you just took credit for it, I would not be shocked. Like, this is <laughs> a stick to books, horrifically nerd. awful movie. <laughs> and movies, I'm sorry, they start in the writing. And when he finished that script, this movie was just, it was done from the get. So I think he kind of proved his own point with the writing and Michael Fassbender's character. So there you go. Never watching this movie again. Hard no. Hey, I got uh, a question. A question for Stevie and a comment for the crew. The the comment sad for me, but Ridley Scott has actually never won an Oscar for directing. Um, Who do you lose to than Gladiator? Steven Soderbergh for Traffic, which is like a thousand times better movie. Uh, it's similar to this. Like, similar. Traffic but- is far better than this movie. Oh yeah, no, I'm saying, but I'm like, I think I feel like they were kind of almost going for that. But yeah, uh, no, yeah, he lost Soderbergh to, to that. Traffic. Really? That's awesome. Good not. Okay, who is worse? Cormac McCarthy at screenwriting or Stephen King at directing? <laughs> oh. Uh, Good question. I think they both did one apiece, so they're batting a thousand on being awful. <laughs> no, Stephen King's is fun to watch. He just was, he was shitty. Bad. I would he was watch... just shitty about like his Wait, buddy getting his eyes. Maximum, Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. You weren't on that uh, pad? <laughs> No. Oh my God! I would have so much rather fun. watch Maximum Overdrive again. Than well, yeah, Josh is right. It's funny than this movie ever again. But Pat, bat me up here. The reason he stopped directing is because his director <laughs> of photography's eye got poked out. He didn't take say, credit Josh, for it. You're wrong for the right reasons. Like that's 100 percent why he's worse. He fucking took Costin Man his eye. <laughs> he's an infinitely worse director. Like, <laughs> this just. I only lost two hours of my life. I guess four because I watched this twice because of because of the uh, Kevin McCormick, Kenny McCormick, whatever his <laughs> name is. Like, <laughs> oh, before we get into trivia, let me just say something that's somewhat relevant with the times. We're gonna do a Snyder Cut podcast, mm. but for those of you who haven't watched it yet, woof! That's all I'm gonna guaranteed. say. It is. On the level of the counselor. So, uh, let's see here. Let's do trivia. Uh, Let's go from Isis to Isis this time. This movie brings up a uh, catfish in a a fish tank that kind of just sucks along the side of a tank, eating the the shit and whatnot. My question to you guys, (laughs) largest catfish ever caught on record. How oh, much man. did it weigh? Mm-hmm. Didn't we just do... No, that was a C. Uh, All about animal weights. I thought we had, like, maxed out the potential of this Come on, Josh. Of redemption again. You gotta win this. <laughs> we need to make a YouTube video super cut of animal weight trivia and just have it be Josh's redemption arc <laughs> put together. You know, my dad was in Florida this week for the first time in a long time, and on his first day, he caught 12 catfish. Damn. So... Since I'm kind of an expert on catfish now. This is freshwater catfish, by the way. Uh, freshwater catfish. Freshwater. freshwater. Freshwater, not, not fish oh, in the sea. I don't fuck seas. with freshwater catfish. I don't know any of those facts. I only know saltwater catfish facts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, let's go with... God, it's got to be... <laughs> yeah, what's the order here? Uh, Isis to Isis. Okay. Man, I have no idea how much these... Uh, when are you going to take us out? Yeah, I couldn't even guess. 33 pounds. 
Play no way. Three pounds I believe bread. you. If it's not even close, I would not be surprised. I have no idea. It's got to be like 250. That's my guess. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold 250 on. pounds? Dude, catfish are fucking huge. <laughs> they can get Brett massive. Brett says 33. Mikey says 250. Yep. George, going for the win, not to embarrass himself again. I think at Citrola's, the old Citrola's at Fort Myers Beach, there's a picture of a dude with a catfish. It's a saltwater fish. But it's probably saltwater. But it was huge. So my historic guess has always been, I think, 1,200, right, Stevie? It's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Is that what I typically guess? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> oh, Josh is losing in the sequel. All right. What you got, Pat? It's a trilogy. Well, it's a trilogy. <laughs> many of us are fans of the University of Notre Dame football team. And I know Ugh. for a fact that famed linebacker Manti Teo was catfished by a man <gasps> who weighed approximately 180 pounds. So I'm going to go with 180 pounds. 180 pounds. Let me do the math here. Ding. And retail price says... Largest catfish on record, fellas, was nine feet long. I shit you not. It's called the Macong Giant Catfish. <laughs> Macong. This thing weighed a grand total of 650 pounds, Ooh, making damn. Mikey our winner on the oh, return. I wasn't even close, though. That's a big boy. But, Josh, I won't make fun of you. You were closer than you were when you tried to say that a wolf weighed 1,400 pounds. So you're good to go. Josh was thinking saltwater fish, saltwater catfish. Yeah. You can see the mistake. Mikey's so happy you won trivia. So what do I win? I get to to bash Marvin's Mike Marvin's pick again? <laughs> what do I get to do? Yeah, just give Mike Marvin the Martian some thanks. Mike Marvin, thank you so much for your patronage on Patreon. Really do appreciate it. Uh, mm. Going forward, I would like people to pick movies that they like. Uh, or are interesting for two hours rather than uh, anything closely related to the counselor. It was fun uh, to talk just... about, though. Jeez. It was fun to talk about. This was a fun pod. We probably should have had him on if we wanted to talk about it, because we didn't have anything to talk about this movie. Uh, we probably <laughs> should have got some some extra an extra voice from him or something. Maybe next time. <laughs> Before we head out, though, Pappy, what do we have coming down the pipeline, and how can people get a hold of us uh, or subscribe to our Patreon? You, you got this. I, I don't, I don't have that in front of me. You can, you can look it up, <sighs> dude. It's a tradition unlike any other. Come on, uh, Pappy, pass. <laughs> pass. <laughs> oh, God, making me go to Trello and shit. <sighs> All right, so maximum overdrives coming up. Brett, a Brett pick following that. Um, well, I don't even know what I can say. The Snyder Cut is coming out. Like, what more can I even reveal at this point? A punishment movie for for you, Stevie? Yeah. Um, well, they know we're doing my movie because we announced it like two weeks ago. Which movie? I don't know what the order of this. What is it? Three Ninjas. Oh uh, yeah. Ah, classic. Well. And then what's the Patreon? I, I always screw this up too. It's Patreon.com <laughs> forward forward slash spoilers podcast, and it only costs uh, 
$5 to request a movie. We appreciate it if you stick around. You're not obliged to, um, but it definitely Why do you put that thought in their head? Yeah, don't do because that. Because people subscribe <laughs> and forget. Set it and forget it. That's the only reason Netflix is still in business today. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, we appreciate all patrons, big and small. Staunchers to rock hard Vigo Mortenses. You're all welcome, part of the Spoilers family. <laughs> and don't let Money Mike discourage you. Please pick any movie you want. We will review it, no matter how awful and boring it is from a famed director that I'm pretty sure this movie was just a tax write-off and he wanted a new home. Anyway, even if even if we don't want to be on it, I mean, we will be shamed and screamed at until we're on it. It's true. All right, let's get into it. Brett, why didn't you want to be on this episode? <laughs> I, I, it's not that I, I just I, I, come no, on. It's it's Oscar season. March Madness is on right now. The what? Snyder Cut just came out. Snyder today. Cut season. It's Snyder Cut season. It's March was, Madness season. And it's Oscar. Season. I was to be going to Elkhart on Saturday, so I wanted an extra night to spend with my wife. But you know, I'm glad you were on the podcast, Brett. It was fun. I was having fun until I got (laughs) called dumb by Josh, so... Well, that's not even what I was saying at all. I don't got no education. He was saying you were a big brain, dude. (laughs) He said, do you really think you you know what happened after one viewing? No one does. Not even Michael One viewing and some reading. That's what I did. (laughs) I'm scared to ask how long do you guys think Snyder Cut season will last? Is it going to be more than a week people are talking about this? Oh, we got five years ahead of us, Mikey. (laughs) We we got a decent five years. Until the next Justice League movie comes out? You wanted to do a Snyder Cut commentary? We're actually going to do a Snyder Cut minute-by-minute breakdown. Oh, uh, yes. On the feed. (laughs) A whole new feed. Discussing zero to 60 seconds starting this Thursday. Uh, I will not be on that pod next week. By the way, the next time spoiler people hear my voice, I will be in my gulp late 30s. So, uh, you know, we'll see if I make Happy it. I have another Brett. nine days to go, but eight days to go. But uh, you have to do a call in because you're probably going to be the only one who likes the Snyder cut. Corey, you, you probably like need it. a defense. <sighs> mm, At least know. you guys are going in with an open mind. Corey's the most negative person this side of Jordan in the history. I'm just of saying, I, I went know. in with a very <laughs> open mind, and um, yeah. That's, uh, I don't think you did, Stevie. Oh, one hundred percent. I like. No. Believe me, you wanted to hate it. Steve, uh, Mikey wants to hate it. Mikey will be devastated if he likes it. So everyone first thought it was going to be trash, and then people came out and said, "Hey, it's awesome." And now Stevie is the next wave of doubt. Stevie says it's trash again. I'm just saying, I've seen a lot of movies in my time, and a lot of different kinds of movies. <sighs> This is one of the rougher, like it's, it's it's one of the roughest movies I've ever seen. Well, it's four hours. I think if you would have broke it up, you might have been better off. It's not coherent, Brett. It's a collection of ideas that are just scattered. Well, that's, I mean, that's what we thought it was going to be. It is what we thought they were. It's <laughs> 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 the same criticism of this movie, though, Stevie. Is that more than a coincidence? Is the cartel after you? I'm now? just saying. I watched Snyder three hours of Snyder cut. Uh, Freaky Deaky, this movie and the Red Wedding and all, all and the Red Wedding all in the same day, and the Red Wedding oh was the God. happiest I've been all day. Oh my! God. What does Stevie know? He's on record saying that uh, Legend is Ridley Scott's best movie. So what does he I know? Didn't say it was his best movie. You did. Hey, check I'm it out. Hook up my CRT a- TV and watch it the way Dan, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Dan Snyder. Snyder intended. 
Dan What's Snyder. his first name? Zach. Of course it Zach is. Zack Snyder yeah. intended. On a CRT TV in 4x3 format, the way he intended. God himself, Zack Snyder intended. It looks like an 80s TV movie is what it looks like. You know what? Let's get into it next week. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. That was spoilers. Special thank you to our patrons, Matt Troll, Brother Brian, Druid King, Nick. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. I don't know the URL and I can't read it. It's so scary, Stevie. <laughs> Why do you do that to me? Because it's so important to say the URL right, and it's I don't a tradition know. Tradition, unlike any other spoilers podcast, and when it's I a tradition, say, unlike any other, I pass it to you. When I say on the, the spot, URL wrong, you're you like get yep. frustrated. Yep, that's it. it it's hey. a tradition unlike any other, and you threw it back at me. Did I, was she? You know, Michael Fassbender is actually known for having. A, a huge dong. Do you think when at the <laughs> beginning when she says what? you ruined me for other men, is that what she was talking about? I think it is, he was good at sex. Michael Fassbender's known for being hung. That's a good thing. Oh yeah, he's he's yeah. he does full frontal in uh, that movie. He's Shame. hung dong several times. I'm I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, it's uh, swinging in the breeze. It's uh, <laughs> it's quite a sight to behold. Why is this off air right now? Why no, is this on hijack? Why did why wasn't this on air, Brett? I don't know. I don't want to be known as the penis guy. I mean, we talked about Willem Dafoe's dong in length. Yeah, I did. I don't want to be known as the penis guy. In length and girth. It's a big, veiny, triumphant bastard, but it was. (laughs) Well, actually, you know who else is known for having a huge dong? Of course, Liam Neeson. Really? Well, he's like 6'4". They said, uh, a lady he was with said it was like an Evian bottle. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) No, but... There's actually websites. There's like jokes. Like it's like a whole set of jokes that's like Liam Neeson's dick is so big, and it's like they're like really funny jokes. That was spoilers.